Welcome to the Sports Talk with the Jenner D's. I'm Old Dusty. We got Devin Smith on the other end. We got a lot of football stuff happening, especially with the Big Ten starting this week, finally. Um, but first, and some NFL news. And some trade news. There is some trade news. There is. Uh, first off, let's go ahead and get into the World Series. Um, so first, as we were recording, game one was uh, happening. Going on, yeah. Uh, Kershaw finally proved he's an elite pitcher. Six innings pitched, one ERA, eight Ks, and one walk. He was very dominant. I think he only had like two or three hits. Uh, yeah. Yeah, LA came out, and, you know, I said six games, and I was like, well, shit, this is going to go. This is going to be a sweep because the Dodgers came out on fire game one. But then yesterday, the race took game two, six to four, which was actually really yeah. surprising. Uh, Blake Snell is an outstanding pitcher. And, I mean, he was dominating them until he gave up two walks, I think, and then a hit. And his first hit he gave up in the entire game was a home run. So they pulled him. Uh, but he was dominating early. And I think they pulled him a little early. But if you're ahead – on the Dodgers and your pitcher gives up two runs in a matter of a second, you know, I, I probably would have made the same call as a manager. Yeah. I mean, like you said, especially with the Dodgers, because I mean, they hung eight on you game one. They do have a lineup that can go off at any moment. So, yeah. So I I don't blame them for taking him out. Um, game three is Friday. Who do, who do you got? Who do you think is going to win game three? Dodgers. I also think the Dodgers win. But if, <laughs> if Snell is, is probably their best pitcher. Now if and, let's just say Tampa Bay does win. Is Kershaw still an elite is Kershaw an elite pitcher now? After his showing in game one that he can he can I think he's an elite pitcher anyways. I think we gotta stop relying on championships. I'm, to make people elite in every sport. When we did the World Series preview, I said Kershaw is not elite because he hasn't performed in the World Series. He's been there. He hasn't performed. Where now he's yeah. performed. He has proven, yeah. like, I can on the big stage be as dominant as I am in the regular season. So, yeah, Clayton is officially elite, folks, because I said so. <laughs> I, I I like Kershaw. I've always liked Kershaw. I think he has one of the craziest sliders in baseball history. Uh, he's literally had batters in the middle of an bad just look at him and go, Whoa, did you just throw that? Yeah. I mean, he's always been great, but now he's elite. Yeah. It's like the Verlander comparison I had. He was great, and then he actually performed in a World Series and became elite, so – yeah, I mean, if Kershaw gets this win, he's going to be dubbed one of the greatest pitchers of all time if they do win the World Series because they'll finally have one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like Tampa Bay is the underdog. I don't think anybody picked Tampa Bay. No. Not even it us. Look like it. <laughs> and, and most places that you see that are saying if Tampa Bay wins, it's because the Dodgers blew it. I've seen a lot of people say that. Hey, man. Rings a ring, no matter how you win it. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know. I I can see the Rays taking Game Three. They're feeling good about themselves. If the Rays take Game Three, do you think the Dodgers panic a little bit? No, I don't think they start panicking until they're three down. Well, not only that, um, Game Five, Kershaw starts anyways. So, yeah. Uh, they're definitely not going to give four uh, one. They're not going to lose four to one in a you uh, know series. Game one, they left their pitcher in for like the Rays left their pitcher in for like a stupid amount of pitches, like well over a hundred, which a hundred is kind of that gray line where normally a guy's out at a hundred. Yeah, and I mean that, that's your most trusted guys are leaving in there for a hundred. It kind of seemed like they were like, well, we're we're. Getting our our cheeks handed to us, so we might as well just leave them in. Well, yeah, you don't want to. I think you don't want to waste the bullpen. Yeah, they've had some gutsy calls, 
that have worked the Rays. And, you know, you leave them in, you're saving your bullpen. I know it pissed off a lot of Rays fans, but, you know, pulling Snell as soon as he starts to give up runs, that makes sense. Uh, as much as it was weird, he was destroying people. And then he gets a little wild in his pitches, so they pull him. Yeah. And then, you know, they let that one guy go and just continue to get shelled, which makes sense if you look at it from a manager standpoint because you're saving your bullpen. You don't have to burn an arm that you can save fresh for a game that you're in late. I think they're making really good, really good calls for from a management standpoint. But can the team continue to perform like they did in game two? Uh, which Dodgers tried to come back and made a valiant effort to come back. So Yeah, they hung a couple of runs in the ninth, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, so they're a dangerous team. Well, they but, hung a couple in the fifth. Yeah, but the Rays are and just And then that, they, they hung one in the ninth. The Rays are just that score. That scrappy team, you know what I mean? Yeah. But so, so we'll see what happens. It's I think it's it, it seems like it's going to be a pretty fun series. So yeah, um, definitely have to keep watching, and I'd highly suggest everybody keep watching because it's going to be very very interesting. You're watching a bunch of people that haven't been there before going up against a team that has been there before, and. Uh, watching Mookie Betts is pretty fun. I'm not gonna lie. He is one. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Mookie, ever. Mookie looks so excited, like just watching him. Uh, so, he's he is a fun guy to watch. But uh, one of my favorite guys. So Mookie's one of my favorite to watch ever, and uh, Ian Kinsler's one of my favorite to watch ever. Kinsler was probably the best second baseman fielding wise. Ever. Yeah, he was so fun to watch. Trolling that trolling it. So yeah. he was he made some hellacious plays with the Rangers. He did pretty good with the Tigers, but I mean he obviously was quite was, a bit older once he yeah. got to the Tigers. But man, dude, in his prime. Yeah, you, you couldn't you couldn't get the ball. You couldn't get and, the ball by him. And he was a good bat, which usually that's all your second baseman is, you know, a decent bat. And he's not gonna give you any stupid errors at second base. He was actually um, a pretty good bat for Detroit, still though. Yeah, he was. He was a really good bat for Detroit. Yeah. But like you said, he's getting older. He had some health problems. Uh, couldn't stay. Couldn't stay healthy. Had nagging injuries that stuck around. That you know can happen to vets. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the the late game NFL games. So the four o'clock or the four oh five game, four twenty-five. Um I think there's two, two or three of those games. Sunday night football and then Monday night football. Uh as you guys know, Giants versus Phillies tonight. Super excited for that. So hopefully it'll be wrapped up before that starts. Yeah. But we already talked about that game last week. At least uh, somebody's excited about it. Yeah, not a lot of people are. Uh, so, uh, Bucks Raiders. Uh, Tampa Bay is minus four. Tampa Bay, you cannot take the Raiders in this game. Their whole offensive line is on the COVID list. Is it really? Yes. You didn't Bro. see that? No. They they all got sent home <laughs> today, and then it was reported that they're all on the COVID list. They got sent home this morning, and they're all on the COVID list now. <laughs> That's what happens when uh that's what happens when they all go out to dinner together. You yeah. know what Derek Carr probably took him out there, so Derek Carr should probably get checked out too. Yeah, if you did watch Hard Knocks last year, he does like taking his uh rookies and linemen out to eat. Which you know, good quarterback should do that, but you know, maybe not 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 this time of year. <laughs> uh Chiefs Broncos. KC minus nine and a half. I'm actually gonna take the Broncos. I'm going to take the Chiefs. Um, just Broncos are getting over half the team back. Uh, but no offense, 
still questionable for the game, and Noah Fant is the only person I think that can score in the fucking red zone for the Broncos. Uh, well, Melvin Gordon will be back too, so it'll be two guys that can score, but Noah Fant, missing him is why our offense looked so bad last week. Uh, Drew Locke hitting receivers way downfield, and they just can't haul in a deep pass. It's sad. Yeah. Sad to watch, and Noah Fant really is that guy for Drew Locke. It's weird to say that, you know, his tight end is that guy, but he really is. Yeah. Uh, Niners Pats, New England minus two. New England minus two? Yeah, I'm taking the Niners. I'm taking the Niners too. I did. Pats just look confused. They've not looked good all year. Um, no. I don't know. I don't think Josh McDaniels knows what to do with Cam. Yeah. I, I don't think he he knows what to do. And quite honestly, he's running that Denver offense again. Hey man, if he's if he's healthy, if Cam's healthy, let him sling the ball. He's got a good yeah. arm. Let him do it. I think he's afraid to do it because he hasn't been very good the last couple of years. That's because he's been injured the whole time. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, Jags Chargers, Chargers are minus seven and a half favorites. I thought this line was a little egregious, to be honest with you. But the I'm going to J- go Chargers. But I don't know. I mean, Herbert's put up some fucking points. Let's not lie. Phil Gardner. Gardner hasn't looked bad this year. No, he, he really hasn't looked bad. Um, he hasn't looked like a franchise quarterback, but he hasn't looked bad. Oh, he's franchise. He's not the reason they're losing. He's a, um, he's a franchise guy. No. You don't have a mustache like that and not be a franchise guy. <laughs> I have a mustache like that, and I am not a franchise guy. With, with a beard around it. If you just had a mustache, they might think about signing you. <laughs> I keep asking Danielle to let me just do the beard or just the mustache. She won't let me. I know, Casey won't let me either. But Sham. but I'm taking old Gardner. He's going to lead the Jags to win over Herbie. Uh, Seahawks Cardinals. Uh, Seahawks are minus three. Minus three. Cardinals are Seahawks, and I would take that line. Oh, I'm definitely taking the Seahawks, dude. They're coming off a bye. They're rested. Uh, I they don't... haven't looked unrested all season. Now they've they're rested. They've had two <laughs> weeks, two weeks to prepare. Um, I, if you're a fantasy person, though, I'd look at Kyler Murray because the Seahawks these a little weak this year. But uh, their offense is on fire. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's the MVP right now, in my opinion. He's the best player yeah. in college, or college football, NFL football. Uh, Bears-Rams. Uh, Rams are minus six. I'm taking – I might take the Bears, man. I'm going to take the Bears, too. They Oops. just have fucking won in stupid ways. And the Rams just haven't really seemed like they've clicked yet. They're, yeah, like golf's playing really well. It's just I don't. It, it doesn't seem like all the pieces are together this year for them, and yeah. uh, they're obviously not as deep as they were their Super Bowl year. But you know, you never know with uh, the Rams and uh, McVay. I do like him. I think he is a pretty good coach. But yeah, I, I like McVay. I think he's. A good all-around coach and a good leader, um, but yeah, they just don't seem very well put together. And I think the Bears have beaten a lot of teams that were not well put together. I know, and they, like you said, they won in some really stupid ways. Yeah, they just are finding dumb fucking ways to win this year. Dude, they just won't die. It's a Nick Foles effect, dude. Nick Foles is a fighter. He's an underdog. Dude will do whatever he can to win. So let's get into some trade news, which I actually didn't really look at that much, except for uh, the Giants are talking about um, are talking about dangling Evan Ingram out in the market to see what they can get for him. Yeah. So, um, which which I, I is think a, he could do good on a team. It's still a terrible idea. 
Yeah, he could do good on any team, but you get rid of him with Saquon out. You have no playmakers. Darius Slayton. Now, Darius Slayton's getting there. He's playing well. He's been getting better. But you take take Evan Ingram away, we have no mismatch because that's our mismatch because linebackers can't cover him. So you trade him, you better have an idea what the hell you're doing. But guess what? (laughs) We don't. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, you haven't known what you're doing all year. Right. So, Sorry. So, uh, I saw the Eagles, before Zach Ertz got hurt, they were going to dangle him out in the trade market, too, and see what they could get. I'm really not surprised he's he's getting up there. Can you imagine uh, Can you imagine if Andy Reid somehow got him? <laughs> just, oh, God. Just by chance. With, Two great playmaking, playmaking tight ends. No, I bet uh, I bet either Tampa Bay or Dallas would have traded for him. Yeah. I don't think the Eagles would have traded him to Dallas unless they got a really good return, though. Yeah, interdivision trades, you know, don't happen very often. Yeah, so I, I don't know, you know. And I think Jerry would probably throw maybe a first or second round pick on it to get him because they don't have a tight end this year. Yeah. But why waste it this year when you don't have a quarterback? But they if they trade and get Darnold, which was a rumor. Well, who did – what are the actual trades? Have, do you have a list? Uh, so far, one trade's actually been done. Minnesota to uh, and, Baltimore. Yeah. What, yeah. What was uh, that? Yannick and Ngakwe. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one this morning. Um, but that's the only one, as of right now, that's the only one that's actually happened. Yeah, but there is a lot of rumors. And yes, there is. I think it's because it's such a weird year. And with the amount of injuries, I think we'll see a lot smaller trades, which Ngakwe was a pro bowler. Um, he just wasn't re signed by the Jaguars. So how come, and hasn't been having a great year with Minnesota, but I think Ngakwe can be a hell of a pickup for the Ravens. Why does it seem like every year the Ravens trade for a defensive player? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, get a quarterback. All right, folks, you're going to be mad about it. Jackson is not that good. Lamar is not a great quarterback. He's fast. He's versatile. He can't he throw. He can make stuff happen. He yeah. Can, he can't throw the ball. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's overrated. He can carry you, but he, he you wonder why this year he hasn't been as good? Because the Titans have exposed him. Yeah. They did it in the playoffs. They showed how to beat Lamar Jackson. Stack the box, stack the middle of the field, and make him throw to the hashes. And he can't do it effectively. He can do it, not well. Get a, get a quarterback. Trade for Darno. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has great offensive weapons around him, too. I mean, they're not super deep at wide receiver, but they have decent wide receivers. Well, he's got good wide receivers. He's got one of the best tight ends in the NFL right now. And, yeah. and Mark Andrews, who's a fantasy guy for me, and he's been tearing it up this year. Uh, he's had, like, two, two two-touchdown games already. That's that Two touchdowns for a tight end is fucking good. And if you're putting yeah. it in multiple – in one season, that's great. Um, it's also a sign. You know, he's not – Mark Andrews is not a gigantic playmaking tight end. No, no, he's not. And, he's not very – And when you, when you have a tight end getting fed that's not a playmaking tight end, it's a sign of a bad passer because typically your tight end is your check down. Well, also, you know, it's funny when I say that he's not that athletic, Mark Andrews. But even though he's way more athletic than I could ever dream to be, ever, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, Mark Andrews isn't that athletic. He he only runs like a four seven. <laughs> what do you run, Dustin? A six three. <laughs> so that was in my prime. Yeah. Um, but hopefully by next week we'll have. When's the deadline for sure? You know. I think week eight. At the end of week eight. Which we're getting up to. Oh, other big news, Antonio Brown. Seahawks are interested. If he comes back in season form, 
and you put him in D, and let's say he he comes in, he looks great. You put him and DK Metcalf together. Oh my god! Yeah, that could be dangerous. It could be very dangerous. So we'll have to keep it out. Are you gonna get Antonio Brown that we've grown accustomed to, or are you gonna get old Antonio Brown? I don't know. Well, I have to say I haven't seen him uh, juking any any dudes out at the park this year, like he did last yeah. year. Yeah, and and <laughs> I don't see I don't see uh, Pete Carroll putting up with with him for that long when they already have talent at receiver. And right now, I think receiver is one of the positions that is abundant in the NFL to find talent. Like John Ross, he requested a trade, and you know he's had injury issues. But I think for the right team, John Ross could be a good wide receiver. I like John Ross. He is fast as shit, but he has proven in games that he can play. They already said, though, that Pete Carroll, the Seahawks are interested in him and Antonio. Yeah, I know. Like, it's probably going to happen. But will it be just a one-year deal? Because that's what I think Carroll will give him. Well, yeah, it'll probably just be the end of the season. If you stay out of trouble, maybe we give you another year. One-year league men. So, I decided that we were going to go through the Big Ten games real quick. We'll probably rip through these pretty fast. Uh, Ohio State, Nebraska, Ohio State, minus 26. Obviously, Ohio Uh, State's going to win the game. Yes, but I don't think they cover. I don't think so either. I don't think a lot of these, some of these bigger lines cover this week just because they haven't played football since December. So, um, Illinois. Most of the Big Ten didn't look good in September. No. Uh, or December. Illinois, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, 19 and a half. Again, this was an, but this is a revenge game. Because Illinois, Illinois uh, beat them last year yeah. on the last second field goal. Because remember, it was at Ava's birthday party. I, don't I know if, was not able to be at Ava's birthday party. That's right. Just everybody else was freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I'm taking Wisconsin regardless. They're going to win. I don't think they cover, though. Um, yeah, I'll take Wisconsin. Uh, Rutgers versus Sparty. Michigan State. Michigan State, obviously. What are they, 40-point favorites? Only 13 and a half. I thought the line was low. How did, this is the only line that's double <laughs> that's digits. That's the only I one I'd take. take so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the only one I would take so far. Uh, Penn State, Indiana, Penn State, minus six. Penn State, no. I'm going to take Indiana. I'm taking the upset on this because Indiana looked real. Indiana has been rebuilding. So I think Indiana will beat Penn State. I'm calling that. I agree. And you're calling that. And uh, we'll see what happens. Mark my words. Uh, Iowa, Purdue. I, I was only minus three. Um, really? Yeah, I'm taking Iowa, and I would take that yeah, line, Yeah, I would take too. Iowa. Yeah, I would definitely take that line. Uh, Maryland, Northwestern, this is like the battle of the shit bowl, and you know you're really bad when Northwestern is favored by 11 over you. <laughs> I was going to take Northwestern. I uh, did not expect them to be favored by 11. I thought this would be like a three-point, three-and-a-half-point game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Maryland. Uh this is really just a crapshoot, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, these are two of the two of the worst teams, other than Rutgers, in this game. So, uh, and then our the big game of the week. This is actually the seven thirty game, and game day is going to be here. Uh, number eighteen, Michigan versus number twenty four, Minnesota. Michigan's a three point favorite. I already know who you're taking. Minnesota. No, I already know you're taking Michigan. No, I'm taking Minnesota. Are you really? Yes. Uh, Michigan is going to have a quarterback playing that hasn't played. Uh, Nico Collins, who is the only electric part of the offense last year, is not on the team. He's not on the roster. So I don't expect Michigan to have a good year. I am a Michigan fan. Uh, and we'll continue to be a Michigan fan, but that doesn't mean I'm delirious to the fact that they're probably not going to have a great year. 
<sighs> so this will be the year that Zach Charbonnet has a chance to prove if he can be a real running back or not. Yeah, I'm also going to take Minnesota. Um, quite honestly. Did I just steal some of your thunder by taking Minnesota? No, no, no. I've I've been debating this all day, who I'm going to take. Me too. It's a toss-up <laughs> game. Um, now, I think it'll be close, but I think Minnesota will win. And Michigan has been consistently bad opening week for how many years in a row now? Quite honestly, I just think this is going to be – this game's way overhyped more than it should be because I think both these teams are overrated. Um, like you said, you already put Michigan's falls. I think Minnesota was a one-hit wonder last year. Yeah. And they could prove me wrong, but I, I honestly don't know if – The is... problem with Minnesota, and I think this will be a low-scoring game, Minnesota is one dimension. Last year, they had one dimension to their game. And then – you know, going up against teams that aren't that aren't hiring the two million dollar offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, they can. It's a lot harder for them to stop your one dimension when it is as good as Minnesota's one dimension was last year. But then you go up against guys who have the money, have the time, have the resources to focus on stopping your run game, and that's all they have to do. You're not going to win against big teams. Well, and I think – I don't think P.J. Flex a good coach either. I don't know. You know, I was pretty hard on him last year. And he I don't had, like him. And he did well. I just don't like him. Yeah. He's got – sorry, he's got the Ryan Day syndrome where you want to punch him in the face just because you've seen it. Ryan Day's – He makes a – Yeah, but Ryan Day's – makes actually, a dumb face expression. Yeah, but Ryan Day's actually a decent coach so far that we've seen. PJ Flex. I'll, I'll give him that. PJ Flex just a. Gimmick. I still want to hit him. To me, PJ Flex just a gimmick coach. Row the boat. Hate that. Drives me nuts. Yeah. Now uh, he could prove me wrong this year. That's fine. Minnesota fans can listen back at this episode and talk shit to me later if Minnesota's successful again. But you got maybe one more year. But I don't think you're going to be that good this year. So maybe uh, what are they playing? Eight games. So. Maybe a five and three record this year. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't seen their schedule either. I mean, if they've got the big boys, like they Michigan do. plays a lot of the big boys this year. They, I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan goes four and four. They play uh they play Ohio State, Minnesota does. So So they have Ohio State and Michigan guaranteed. And then if they draw Penn State, Wisconsin, well they're gonna play any of those, I think they can easily lose. They will play Wisconsin. That's oh a, yeah, they're in the same. That's uh, a rival. That's a rivalry yeah. game. They'll play Wisconsin, and they'll have to go through Iowa, which will be a tough game. And Nebraska, I guess. Really, we'll see what Nebraska is about week one because they got now. Nebraska has a tough ass schedule. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they got all the big boys. The Big Ten basically said, "You want to bitch and say you're going to leave." Well, we're gonna make you want to quit. That's <laughs> pretty much what the Big Ten did. <laughs> Which Nebraska, go ahead and fucking leave. Yeah, quite honestly, we brought. You're not helping. No, we brought you in because you were supposed to be that national championship caliber program, and you shit the bed because you fired. Yeah, you were in the '80s. You haven't been a national championship threat since Michigan. But you you fired your only good coach, Bo Pelini, in the last twenty years. You got rid yeah. of him, and then you've been garbage ever since. And he went to Youngstown and made him a great team. So I don't really know what you were thinking. <laughs> it just makes no sense to me. Yeah. It's like one of those Michigan things where they can't do the one thing Michigan wants them to do, so they get rid of them, which the only thing that really matters in Michigan is beating Ohio State, and Harbaugh's getting really close to hitting that, even though – I think he's done more for Michigan than any coach in a long time has done. Harbaugh's lucky he still has a job. Cause, he is, cause years but pr- I appreciate the fact that he still has well, a I'm job. Saying, years prior when Michigan was handing Ohio State's you know, hand, hand State ass to him basically every year, if a Michigan coach went 0-5, they would have been fired. Oh, hands down. 
I mean, that's why Lloyd got fired. Yeah, the last coach to win you a half national title. Still counts. It's a co. <laughs> it's a co, but it still counts. It still counts. But uh, yeah, they fired Lloyd because he couldn't beat Trestle. They fired well. Yeah. They fired Rich Rod and Hope just because they sucked. So yeah, it's not only because they not beat Ohio State. They just couldn't really beat anybody. They were bad. Yes, they were. Uh, and that was a painful era, but I still watched every Michigan game. Yeah, I mean, at least Harbaugh blows teams out that he's supposed to win against. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Army last year. Yeah, for the most <laughs> sometimes, part. Sometimes his schemes, like I think he over gets in his own head too much sometimes. He's yeah. like, oh, we're going to totally own this this team, so why do this? And I think some of the defensive, like – like the everybody to the ball thing. Have you heard of that about their defense? Mm-hmm. Everybody run to the ball. Doesn't matter. Everybody run to the ball. I don't like that. Yeah, but I mean, every coach has has their bad schemes. I mean, Christ, look at Urban Meyer. We got blown out by fucking Purdue and Iowa. You know, not to mention the murderers and <laughs> the robbers and the drug dealers we're that just, have all played under him. We're just talking about schemes. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about bad things that follow coaches. Oh, I mean, we could get into some bad things. Urban, <laughs> Urban Meyer, you're signing the deal with the devil. You're going to win titles, but he's going to leave in disgrace. <laughs> Which, you know, nothing bad has come out of Ohio State uh, about him and players. Now, there is the coach thing, that, which I think that was, was total shit. He had a better wide receiver coach under his nose that entire time. And I just – I think it was kind of all blown out of proportion. It was just two absolutely insane individuals that just need psychiatric help. Yeah, they both do. Yeah, I mean, but, look, I'm not saying hitting your wife is 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 not wrong. It's, it's 100% wrong, and he's at fault. And he should have been fired when Urban knew about it. Urban should have cut ties with him when he first heard about it at Florida. But – She's and but at the same time she's beating him too. So I mean it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, man, just, two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, and uh, I'm not and defending. If you are in a in a relationship like that, I know a lot of people have issues with. Oh, I can't get out. If I get out, they'll kill me. Uh, but most of those issues don't revolve around the same person beating you up in separate occasions. Yeah, like was... just two totally toxic people that should never ever have been together. Uh, but my biggest takeaway from that is look how good Ohio State receivers did last year uh, under a, under a different wide receiver coach. I think Hartline is a great wide receiver coach. He's he's one of the best wide receiver coaches in the NFL, aside from Alabama's. Um, and, and he made – the biggest thing to me is you've seen a bunch of Ohio State wide receivers come in, have like a good game, and then they kind of shit the bed. Yeah. There was no there was no progression. There was no development. Yeah, they were super athletes, but they never developed. Sorry, had a hiccup. Uh, and then under Heartline, you've seen these guys that have been sitting there for three years as great talent turn into elite talent because they developed. Well, I would also say, too, that Heartline's probably the best recruiter in college football right now. Huh, yeah. Uh, must be nice getting all those wide receivers. We had three one year, and we're down to zero, and they should all be juniors. <laughs> yeah, he he pulled in probably one of the greatest receiver recruiting classes I've ever seen. So, yeah. All righty, let's get into our top five DBs of all time. Defensive backs, folks. Uh, I already have a feeling Charles Woodson will be on Devin's list. Wrong. Oh, surprising. Uh, he didn't make my list mostly because he was a Raider in the NFL. Let's go with uh, let's go down from our five to our one. So all right, you go want ahead. To start. Yep, go ahead and start. While I put a lipper in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with my honorable mentions. Uh, both of my honorable mentions, I think, one hundred percent. If they could have had full careers, they one hundred percent would have made the list, and I think they both should be Hall of Famers. Uh, they they were great while they were in the NFL, and both of their careers were 
ended tragically. Uh, Sean Taylor and Pat Tillman. Yep. I think, I think they, Tillman, was a nobody. Was drafted late by Arizona. Was told he was undersized. They constantly tried to change his position, and they changed him from a linebacker to safety, and he freaking dominated as a safety. Uh, took less money so he could be a homer and stay in Arizona. Um, Sean Taylor, part of one of the greatest teams of all time in Miami. And then goes the Redskins and balls out with the Redskins. Uh, probably the best defensive year the Redskins have had in, in our era. Yep. And just was insane. Great player, great human being. Uh, both of them, great humans. Uh, just tragically taken before their time. Yeah, but Sean Taylor's was a really, really odd thing. So was Pat Tillman. Well, I understand Pat was friendly fire. But like that, that happens, you know. It, it's yeah. it's unfortunate. Obviously, you don't want to see anybody, especially someone like him who selflessly gave up millions of dollars to fight for this country. So I have tremendous respect for him. But like Sean Taylor was just at home, and some dude just broke into his gated house. Like, Wait, did you ever watch the football life on it? Uh. Uh-uh. So apparently, like. Stuff was going on at the house, and he knew stuff was going on at the house. It was an issue with his family because he bought that house 100% for his family. Mm-hmm. And on the weekends or, like, Monday when they'd have a Monday off, he would go home just for that Monday. So he'd go Washington, Florida because he's from Florida. Mm-hmm. And then they'd have practice on Tuesday, and he'd be back on Tuesday. So he loved being home, loved being with his family. Um but I think it was his fiance at the time said something was going on at the house and he definitely needed to come back this weekend. And he had left and was supposed to actually be at practice or spring training when it happened. Something was going on with the team, but he told the team he couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Then the team finds out that he was killed by somebody breaking into his house and shot him in the leg. Uh, and they like it was, yeah, it was wild. Uh, his football life, to anybody listening, is a great one to watch. Um, just because it shows, like, you know, yeah, he was part of the bad boys in Miami. But he was a great person. Mm-hmm. Like, he was very selfless. Uh, him and Pat Tillman. And, and, like, they just both remind me of each other. Because everybody thinks of Sean Taylor that, that remembers him playing. And they think of him smoking the fucking kicker in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Because he did not take a playoff. Pro Bowls are known, widely known to be a goof-off game. Mm-hmm. He never took a playoff. So he played the Pro Bowl like his heart depended on it. Probably one of the hardest hitters. Definitely one of the hardest hitters of our generation. And that's including all defensive positions. The dude was a heat seeker. Just fun to watch. All right. Who's five? Steve Atwater. So I put I put you, I put Troy at, at Troy Palomalo at five. I don't like Troy as like just his college and how dirty he was in college at USC. I just couldn't couldn't put Troy there, so I went with another safety. That's why I went Atwater. I did think for a long time about putting who was going to be my number five. My number, my top four were pretty much solid. I knew who my top four were going to be, but five was tough. And I ended up going Steve Atwater uh, just because uh, he took down the Nigerian nightmare as like, and he's tiny. Steve Atwater was small for a safety mm-hmm. and he played, played like a way bigger person. And he was a heat seeker. Not not your stereotypical safety that's going to go out and get five interceptions a season or anything like that, but he's gonna he's gonna make some people remember who he was. Yeah, that's how Troy was though. He was undersized, but dude, he hit like a motherfucker. Yeah, Palomalu was was I would say he was better in coverage than Atwater. The, was... My problem with Troy is a lot of his hard hits, like 
I always think – every time I think of Troy Palomalu, sadly it's not Super Bowl win or anything like that, uh, playing his heart out in a Super Bowl. It's when he fucking cheap-shotted that dude when he was at USC, the guy who called for the fair catch, mm-hmm. and he came full field and smoked him. Like, that's a true cheap shot, and the guy had to be carted off the field. Like, yeah, I there's just no, no room for that, especially in the climate that, you know, football, you already get hit when you shouldn't mm-hmm. in places that you shouldn't. Don't deal extra damage. Um, Palomalu, another thing I always think about is when he got tackled by his hair. Yeah. Complained to the NFL, and then the NFL said, well, if it touches your jersey, it is your jersey. I know. That's some shit, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> you got to braid it like Derek Which, Henry. yes, that brings up another thing. You know, can't stop Derrick Henry. Maybe grab that. Yeah, but Derrick Henry might go. turn around yeah. and fucking hit you. <laughs> and it's like a 20-year-old dreadlock. It might just fucking rip out. But, dude, Derrick Henry will just turn around and I mean, I wouldn't fuck with him. Just if you're a corner, don't do it. Maybe if you're a defensive end, I still don't know how to do it, dude. He's a yeah, fucking. We've seen what he's done to corners. He's a massive man. I I want to fuck with him. Uh, he is. He's basically a rush linebacker. I know. Uh, who do you got it for? Uh, number four, I have Ed Reed. Okay. Just great all-around safety. He could do anything. Yeah. Uh, but he he was also known for being a hard hitter. I was torn in between him and Dawkins. I ended up going Ed Reed. Uh, Dawkins was very close to being in that spot or in the five spot as well. Uh, I went Ronnie Lott. You have Ronnie Lott at four? Yeah, I do. I do. Dude, you're, my number wow. one's probably going to piss you off, but... Probably because my number one, oh, I'm not even going to say my number one yet. <laughs> All right. Let's see number three. Number three, I have Rod Woodson. Holy fuck, me too. That's my, no number, that's my number three, Rod Woodson, <laughs> for real. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> A man that can play corner early in his career, dominate at corner, age, and go and play safety and have, what do you have, like a 20-year career? And won a Super Bowl. And won a, it was one of his last years. He won a Super Bowl. And was a Pro Bowl in the double digits. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of – some of these guys don't even need – you know, like Ronnie Lott, I don't even need to, uh, it, you know, say his statistics because he is one of the uh, best ever. Yeah, I do have a story about him that I'm going to say when we're done giving our top five. All right, who's your two? At number two, Champ Bailey, or as my dad says, Chump Bailey. <laughs> I think he's the best ball hawk that ever was in the NFL. Uh, sorry, you Neon Dion fans, but if a ball hawk is going to be in my top five, it's going to be Champ Bailey. He was faster. He was also multi-talented, like Dion. great kick returner, great punt returner, but he also played offense. Early in his career, they well, would rotate him. Well, I think we just need to say this now. Deion Sanders is not in either of our lists. So maybe we'll get on Barstool Sports or something. Yeah. But Deion clapping back. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, Deion yelling at us. He, he doesn't make my top five. Top 10, he makes it. Top 10 uh, makes it. Top five, no. Yeah. Quite honestly, I, yeah, I don't know. He's a little overrated. He's, I mean, he was probably one of the best return men ever. But yeah, regardless, Devin <laughs> Devin Hester has the record. So most of his plays nowadays are penalties because he didn't shadow receivers. He didn't run press coverage. Mm. He just held you. He beat the shit out of you. Yeah, which well, then you could get away with it. Now I don't see a guy like him getting away with as much as he did. Uh, probably not. Uh, who's your number two? I already told you, Champ Bailey. Who's your oh, number yeah. two? Uh, my number two is Ed Reed, so we already went over Ed. Yeah. Uh, all right, who's your number one? Ronnie Lott. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is one reason Ronnie Lott is number one and will probably always be my number one. The dude cut his finger off at halftime during a game to go back out and play. His finger was broken. 
And he asked if he could play. And they said, you're probably not going to be able to play with that. And he said, well, what if I cut it off? And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. So he went in at halftime and cut his fucking finger off. What a fucking... Not the whole finger. He cut it. He cut the knuckle. What a fucking man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that wasn't at the end of his career, by the way. <laughs> uh, my number one is Revis. Really? Quite honestly, man, I think Revis is the greatest lockdown corner ever. And his... I think he was a great lockdown corner. Great man-to-man corner. Yeah, but you don't. Or no, not a great man-to-man corner. He was a great zone corner. I think he is too one-dimensional. He was a great man-to-man. He was a. They called it Revis Island because he was a zone covered. I still, I, I just think he was the best lockdown corner, dude. I mean, when you look at the top receivers in the league that went against them, they didn't do shit. They couldn't. He was at do the top anything. of his game. He was at the top of his game for too short for me, though. If he played okay, but if he didn't play for the Jets and he played his career in New England and won all the Super Bowls, everybody would be saying he's the best. I did his... see like a lot of people in their top ten cornerbacks of all time, which I took like nobody from because it seemed I like they were like super homers. Yeah, it was, um, it was. I, I was looking at some of those lists too and I'm like, Yeah, this is stupid. But a lot of them had had him super high, and they had Ty Law super high, which Ty Law was a system corner. Oh, yeah, after he left New England, he didn't do anything. He wasn't good. Mm-mm. No, and I think that's what that's what happened to Revis, though. What do you mean? He, he left the Jets, and he wasn't – he did, He never made a Pro Bowl after the Jets. He was out of his prime. You have to uh, I just – he spent. I think he would have played for four years in New England, asked for a big contract, wouldn't have gotten it, would have went to another team and sucked. I don't think he would have sucked. He's he's, he's the best corner ever. I don't think so. I'm going to look up Revis Pro Bowls and see if he made – I feel like he made one in New England. I'm pretty sure. Revis Pro Bowls. I don't know. I'll look at it later. But was he one of the best in his prop? Yes, he was. It just wasn't long enough. And he was so one dimensional to me. He, same with so, Nandi Asuma got Asuma. Okay, but he Why made, did you put him at number one? Because he was the same fucking thing. He was great at one thing, went to another team, the Eagles, and didn't do shit. So, first off, he only had a two-year run. Revis had a seven-year Pro Bowl run, which means for seven years, he was a dominant lockdown corner. Now, seven years is long enough because basically you're prime until you're too old to play. Because you got to think, these guys are coming out at 21, and they don't normally hit their prime until 24. So he was 31 when he went to New England. Yeah. You're almost washed by then. So I like for primes for me, it's a seven year window. Unless you're a freak like LeBron James or something like that, where somehow at 30, 35 plus years old, you're still doing what you're doing. What you still look like you haven't really lost a step yet. Um, I mean, Champ Bailey was the fastest man in the NFL until his mid 30s. Okay, but speed doesn't equate to being good. No, but it does when that's part of your talent. And I don't, I, think, I mean, look at John Ross, fast as shit, but he hasn't done anything. I think that's part of the team he's on. They don't use him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not when gonna... they, when they have used him, he's done great. He, he's put up really good numbers in games that he has been involved in. <sighs> We're never going to agree on this. So, but I think seven years, unless you're like an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Peyton Manning, because Peyton was, hey, Peyton was Darrell great. Darrell Revis, hands down, first ballot, Hall of Famer. Just not in my, you know, he's in my top 10 for sure. For, for corners alone, he's in my top five. Do you think Eli, but, do you think Eli is a Hall of Famer? 
not first ballot. But yeah. I don't think he'll be first ballot either. I think it'll take it'll take some time. Uh just because of the last couple years. Do you think if Derrick Henry has two more years like he's doing right now, do you think he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Two more years? Yeah, because you won't have a lot of running backs. That's true. I bet if McCaffrey comes back healthy, he will. I bet yeah. I bet Saquon will when he goes somewhere that can actually win. <laughs> That's a good team. Yeah, I think Zeke still has a lot to prove. I don't think to be Ze- a Hall of Famer. I don't think Zeke's I mean, I don't think Saquon's a Hall of Famer right now. He's still you know, I mean, he's had two good years, and then obviously this year he's hurt. Yeah, but the fact that you can have a good year without a quarterback. Or an offensive line. <laughs> yeah, and and that's something that sadly stats don't tell the whole story. Uh, coaching, offensive line, a quarterback that can take some of the fucking pressure off of you. But, unfortunately. That's, that's gigantic. Unfortunately. I mean, you Hall of Famers are the ones that can have good years. Even with no offense. Well, unfortunately, uh, Hall of Fame is mostly stats. So, yeah. Well, it took Terrell Davis, fuck, fifteen years to make it into the Hall of Fame or something like that. Yeah, but how, uh, how many seasons did Terrell Davis play though? He played eight, I believe, but he only actually played about five. Yeah, so I mean, usually those short career like that, you know, you have to just literally dominate for those five years. Yeah, but his last well, at least two. He played Hall of Fame numbers for five of his eight years. His last two years, he basically didn't do anything. Thanks, Bubby Brister, you <laughs> fuck. <laughs> but it is kind of cool because Terrell Davis's career, unfortunately, it did end early, but it ended the same way it started with a tackle. Yeah, that's, that's the only way he proved himself to Shanahan. Uh, well, all right, guys, uh, we're hitting that time. Um, so, as always, thank you for listening. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, tell your friends about it. Also, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, check out the Three on Woken podcast and the Woken Wives and um, Fantasy and DFS with Cam Crazy, a new fantasy podcast. So, check that out as well. Um, as always, thank you for listening. And um, who knows, maybe we do an emergency episode Saturday with college football. We'll see with the Big Ten. I don't know. We'll see what the schedule looks like. (laughs) But as always, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.